Would you bow your heads in prayer? Gracious Lord, as we look towards Your return, open our hearts this morning to what Your Word would say to us. That we might be ready for that day. In Your name we pray. Amen. Now, if, if you're ever at the airport and the plane is late getting in, or I should say, if you're ever at the airport and when the plane is late getting in, spend some time watching how different people react. There are the people who need details, who are up at the counter right away, maybe back and forth a couple of times, and when is it going to hit here? What time is it going to arrive? What's going to happen? They have to have details as if the information will make the plane arrive sooner. Of course, there are the uh, glass is half empty kind of people. Oh, it's never going to get here. Something's wrong with the plane. It's going to get here late. I'm going to miss my connection in Albuquerque. I'm going to get stuck there. You know that kind. Then there are the guys who decide, well, might as well have another drink at the bar. Maybe one or two. Watch some more games. Right? Why waste the time sitting at a gate? And then there are those who say, well, yeah, we don't know what time it's going to get here, but it's on the way. It's going to be okay. Just be patient. Read a book. Don't wander too far, because I'm sure when that plane arrives, that we'll, 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 they'll turn around real quick and we'll get on the way and we'll make all our other deadlines. What kind of person are you? waiting for a plane. Or really, more to the point, what kind of person are you when it comes to waiting for Christ to come back? Are you a pusher? That's that guy that's up at the gate asking questions. Pushers have to know exact dates and times. I don't know if any of you ever have heard this name. Edgar Weisenot. Not. He was a NASA engineer who used his mathematical skills to calculate the exact date of Christ's return. And he, he wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. And he had the date figured out. September 10th, 1988 was the date when Jesus was going to return. I remember this because our next-door neighbor in Nebraska had the book and was giving it away to everybody to make ready for when Jesus came back on September 10th. Well, September 10th, 1988 came and went, but Jesus didn't. Why isn't it made the claim that uh, if he was wrong, that meant Scripture was wrong? But the truth is, that's not what Scripture said. Concerning that day and hour, Jesus said, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. Remember when they were ascending, he was about to ascend into heaven and the disciples wanted to know, are you going to do it now? Are you going to bring the kingdom now? What did he say? It's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father is set by His own authority. It says, Paul says much the same thing in our text today from, from uh, 1 Thessalonians. Now brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come 
like a thief in the night. See, when you're pushing for those kind of details, you're asking for information that God has decided you and I don't need. It's like the kids said, you've got to be ready every day. See, I love that analogy. It comes like a thief. Well, a thief doesn't announce his coming, does he? Or you'd be ready. Thief comes suddenly, unexpectedly, when you least expect him to take you off guard. And so it will be that God says Jesus will come just like that. Like a thief. Pushing for information won't make it happen. Won't make you ready. Okay, so if you're not a pusher, are you a doubter? Love this phrase here that Paul points to. Says, "Well, people are saying peace and safety. Let's say, oh, well, everything's going on the way it's always gone on. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will escape." It reminded me of the man who called nine one one, and he said, "My wife is pregnant, and her contractions are two minutes apart." And the doctor answered, "Is this her first child?" And the man said, "No, I'm her husband." We all know that a baby pregnant woman is going to have a baby. Now, she may, she may think at times it's never going to happen when she's tired of being pregnant. But she knows that day is going to come. There's no doubt about it. Well, it's the same, Paul tells us, with the coming of our Lord. God is serious about this. Reminds me. When I was a kid, I think I've told you this before, my dad was working on a furnace and he said, don't touch that part of the furnace, the plenum, it's hot. So what did I do? I touched it. Why did you touch it? I didn't think you were serious. Folks, God is very serious about this. Christ is coming again. We sang the whole story of that day in the last hymn of judgment and everything. He's coming. Are you a sleeper? So then, let us not be like others, Paul says, who are asleep. But let us be alert and self-controlled. We are not to be like, like you're listening to Pastor Braun preaching. No sleeping. Sometimes, you know, that happens in our Christian faith. We, we get so used to it that we take it for granted and we stop paying attention to it and we put it kind of on the back burner and we fall asleep. It's like a, a guy by the name of Ray Scotty used to be in the Texas district said, he said, you know, sometimes I think some Christians have had just enough of the gospel that they've become immune to it. Are you a sleeper? Or are you a player? Remember, that's the guy that goes down and has a few more drinks. Right? Paul calls him here uh, the one who gets drunk and gets drunk at night. Such people are too busy living the good life. Saying to themselves, i got plenty of time. I'm young. I don't have to worry about that stuff. That'll come later. As if death is only the province of old age. Folks, 
Death can come on any day, at any age in your life. Abraham Lincoln, John Kennedy, Princess Diana, not one of them was thinking about dying on the day they died. You can't wait in order to be ready. Folks, we all die. Every one of us. In fact, two people in this world die every second. 6,000 people die every day. 155 or every hour. 155,000 die every day. 57 million die every year. You can't ignore that reality. It's coming. Are you then an encourager? That's what Paul seeks to be for us in the text, and that's what he invites us to be. Listen to these words. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Be ready for that day. Why? Because God does not intend us to be or appointed us to suffer wrath. Indeed, He so wants us to be ready to receive the salvation that He has won for us that He gave His own Son. He so wants us to be ready for that day and the day of judgment that Jesus died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Did you hear the get ready for the last day preparation kit that the... That, that Paul laid out for us, it doesn't involve canned goods or an underground shelter or a rifle. And he uses the image of arm, armor, though. Talks about the breastplate, breastplate of faith and love that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to be ready for that day. He talks about the helmet of salvation that guards our knowledge of Christ, that certain knowledge, not, not optimism, not wishful thinking, but that certain knowledge that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that He died and rose again, and that because He did that, He is going to come and receive us to Himself. Do you recognize from last week, there's that triumvirate again? The three theological virtues, faith, love, Hope, when boiled down, those are the things we need to be ready for that last day. Let hope fill your heart. Let hope fill your witness. Ours is not a dour faith. It's not depressing or despairing. At its heart, ours is not a faith about judging others, 
especially not the world around us. God would say that's His business, not ours. Ours is to tell people the good news that this world will not always go on as it is right now. That one day Jesus is coming again. And on that day, God will make all things right. That's the encouragement. That's the message that we offer to the world. I don't want you or me to be like Carl McCoon. Not Carl Miller. Carl McCoon. He moved to Alaska in the late 1970s. Made friends, got a job, and then he planned this great adventure. People are still talking about it. He planned a five-month photography expedition into the Alaskan wild. And he planned all the details. He checked everything out, prepared for everything we need. And on March of 1981, Carl was dropped into a remote place near the Colleen River, 70 miles northeast of Fort Yukon. He had two rifles, a shotgun, 1,400 pounds of supplies, and 500 rolls of film. He overlooked one detail. He had not made any arrangement for somebody to come pick him up. He died in the Alaska wilderness. Every journey this side of heaven comes to an end. You can count on it. God does not want us trapped without an exit plan. And so He asks us to be encouragers to one another, to our family, our friends, our neighbors, to tell them about Jesus Christ. To say, hey, we don't have an arrival time, but He's on the way. He's coming. Be patient, but be ready. Because you know what Jesus promised? He said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Because there's many rooms in my Father's house. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. Are you ready? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.